She is, of course, working and communicating and is entirely capable of doing her job. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Brian Curtis. Well, Janet Yellen is confirmed as the new Fed chief. China takes a closer look at the so-called shadow banking industry. BYD says Chinese cars are heading to the United States. And the U.S. services industry slips a bit on a fall in new orders. Our guests this morning include Francis Lun, chief executive officer of Geosecurities, and Kevin Leung from EY, the firm formerly known as Ernst & Young. Now, Mr. Leung will be telling us about the challenges and opportunities for foreign banks in China. And we'll also be hearing a little about the Book of Roach. If China stays the course as, as being the ultimate producer, uh, then, then, then there are problems with its unsustainable imbalances. Uh-huh. But I, I actually believe that China's going to change its stripes a lot and become more of a consumer like America. That's Professor Stephen Roach from Yale. He says China as a big consumer could be a big headache for the United States. And that has profound implications for us because we are dependent on China staying a producer, giving us cheap goods for our consumers, cheap capital so the government can spend like Larry Summers wants us to do, uh, and loan us their surplus savings because we don't save as a nation. But China, by becoming a consumer, will draw down its savings, have less to buy treasuries, and what are we going to do? He referred there to former Treasury Chief Larry Summers, who wants a big pickup in investment. Our problem is that uh, people want to save a lot, and businesses and don't businesses and people who do construction don't want to invest that much. And so, when you got an imbalance of savings over investment, it tends to push interest rates down, and it tends to result in a weak economy. That leaves unattractive choices. You can either have very, very low interest rates, and that may be enough to generate economic growth. But it won't be such a great kind of economic growth. It'll be the kind of economic growth we had in the middle of the last decade, uh, where there's bubbles, where there's reliance on leverage. Or you can allow interest rates to be higher, and you'll perhaps avoid some of the excesses of leverage and asset values, but you'll have a real challenge uh, to growth. So neither of those sound all that great. That's Larry Summers, uh, the former head of the Treasury and uh, also someone who was closely considered for uh, leading the Fed. But that choice by the president went to Janet Yellen instead. Let's look at Asian markets. The Nikkei's down 79 points in early trading, 15,829. In Australia, the main index there, the ASX 200, is up a little, up four points at 53.32. Slightly lower numbers in Seoul. The cost be down three points at 1950. As to currencies, the dollar-yen now 104.23, so that's the dollar a little down against the yen, hence the drop in the Nikkei. The euro 1.3629, not much of a change for the euro against the dollar. And the pound is now trading at 12 Hong Kong dollars and 72 cents, so quite strong readings there for the pound. The Australian dollar, not too much change, 89.67 U.S. cents.
Okay, let's take a brief look now at Janet Yellen. She's been confirmed by a a 56 to 26 vote in the Senate. Some 11 Republicans did support Ms. Yellen. She replaces Ben Bernanke, whose second term as chairman expires on the last day of this month. Ms. Yellen has backed Mr. Bernanke's efforts on unconventional monetary policy and to continue with it until the economy achieves a strong recovery. Well, U.S. service companies uh, expanded at a slow but steady pace in December. Sales slipped, though, and new orders plunged to a four-year low. The report suggests that economic growth in the U.S. may remain modest over the coming months. The ISM services index fell to 53 last month. That was down from 53.9 in November. And uh, by the way, any reading above 50 does indicate expansion. Okay, over to the stock market. U.S. stocks falling for a third day. It's the first time that's happened uh, since 2005. And a lot of people look at the first uh, three to five days of January, kind of January barometer, to set the stage for the year. So we'll be talking about that with Francis Lun from Geosecurities in just a minute. Here are the numbers. The S&P 500 down 0.3%, 1826. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 44 points to 16,425. Let's go back to Stephen Roach. So he was in that discussion about the challenges that both China and the United States face with their unique relationship, China as a saver and the U.S. as a spender. And so he was asked, well, even if China does start to spend more internally, or in other words, to increase its uh, its domestic consumption, um, might that not necessarily hurt the United States? Because couldn't Vietnam or some other countries like it replace China as a low cost producer? Vietnam is 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 so really small, like right? a grain of sand on a big beach. Mm-hmm. No one is has, has got the scale uh, to provide the support to us that we have uh, come to uh, rely on. And so, um, you know, I don't I don't think this rebalancing is necessarily bad for both economies, provided that we get our act together and we change our stripes just like uh, China's so, going to change its stripes. So exactly what does the U.S. need to do, in other words, to help maintain a, a healthier relationship? We, we have to start living within our means. Uh, drawing less on consumption is a share of GDP growth, especially for a, a weak income uh, economy. We need to um, uh, invest more. Uh, and there I agree with Larry Summers, but we've got to have the wherewithal to do uh, the investment. And we've got to boost our competitiveness and be able to export our way back to economic prosperity. And that's where the the Chinese piece of the equation is so important. China's our third largest and most rapidly growing export market. And if we can grow into that market, that'll be an important way for us to fill the well, void of our growth. we have one thing they don't, and that's access to very cheap natural gas. It's, it's one-fourth the price of their net gas. Shouldn't that help? Uh, that that will definitely help us, but we still we've got to do more than frack our way to prosperity. So what happens if we don't, though? I mean, walk me through that scenario. So if China rebalances. Look, you know, codependency is is sort of a uh, uh, an interesting framework to look at this. As in individuals, you know, both parties eventually grow apart, and China's going to go its own way. Uh, and so um, if if we don't uh, uh, respond. To the, to, the, to the next China, our interest rates will go up, the dollar will go down, our financial markets, which seem so perfect right now, will all of a sudden look less perfect, and the asset-dependent, wealth-dependent, market-dependent U.S. economy uh, will, will, will be really in serious trouble. Is- 
Yes, in serious trouble there, the words that uh, he was saying right at the end. Uh, Stephen Roach there, who's a Yale professor now, formerly the uh, Morgan Stanley China chairman, and of course the former chief economist uh, of Morgan Stanley, speaking there with Adam Johnson at Bloomberg and Trish Regan. And we're joined by Francis Lund, who's the CEO of Geosecurities, for some discussion about some of these stories that we've uh, just heard a little bit about. Good morning, Francis. Yeah, good morning. Okay, first um, first things first, uh, because it just happened, our top story, not all that surprising. Janet Yellen confirmed 56 yeah. to 26. Does it really make much difference from Ben Bernanke, the handoff to Janet Yellen? I think, if anything, uh, she will be uh, much more ready to uh, print money than uh, Bernanke. I think he's, she's uh, known uh, as a dove and she will not hesitate to print vast amounts of money and continue QE to support the economy. I think she believes that uh, the Fed should really guide the economy. He's, she's uh, much more interventionist than well, will, Bernanke. Will she follow the data or will she get out in front of the data? I think she will uh, move ahead. I think she will get in front. I think she's much more aggressive. Uh, and uh, so, so by getting in front, do you think that that means that because we saw a weaker services report, and mm-hmm. some of the latest economic data hasn't been all that strong? Yeah, it hasn't definitely. been weak. It hasn't been weak. It hasn't been strong. It's just mm-hmm. been okay. Yeah. Do you think that means that she will slow the pace of tapering? Uh, most probably. I think she will maintain the 700, uh, 75 billion, will not uh, uh, lower it for the moment until there is a much better PMI figures and much better employment uh, figures. Uh, and from what we see in December is that globally, I think uh, uh, the economic growth in the major economies are running off steam. So uh, if you taper too soon, then, then in the first or, or in the second quarter, then, then you, you will have a slight recession or, or a slowdown in growth. Some aspects of what seemed to be conventional wisdom coming into the beginning of this year aren't exactly playing out after the first uh, six or or seven days. (laughs) We don't see a lot of money coming out of the bond market. In Mm -hmm. fact, uh, uh, the 10-year yield is dropping a little bit down to to, to 96, 297. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't see a continuation of uh, the U.S. uh, Mm -hmm. bull run. We've seen three Mm -hmm. days of losses there. Um, I I, I think people have been uh, too optimistic, especially in the U.S., where the uh, I think the Dow uh, set record highs for six or seven consecutive days, and also the Ger- uh, German DAX also set record highs, and uh, I think that the the stock market actually race ahead of the economy as by a substantial margin. And if you look at the U.S. economy, it's really not that good. <laughs> and uh, America is still deeply in that 100% uh, uh, debt ratio. And uh, I, I think more caution is really called for. And if you look at the uh, data from China, it's, it's, there's really uh, not room for uh, optimism because uh, uh, the debt situation is very bad and then the liquidity situation uh, uh, among banks is uh, also quite bad. Uh, the banks overland and then they, they just don't have enough money to to cover their liquidity position. So I think uh, we are in for a poor First quarter, I think the Hex index could move down to 22,000 very soon. 
Okay, let's talk a little bit more about China. We see mm. that uh, the authorities are going to take a closer look at shadow banking. I've mm. seen a couple of interpretations. One is is that they are, uh, you know, trying to pare it down a little bit. Others mm. are that they're they're kind of accepting it now and just looking to more institutionalize. How do you read it? Uh, well, uh, you can you can interpret both ways. They they are accepting uh, some of those uh, shadow banking, like the. Uh, 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 a private sector banking that what was happening in one child uh, where two years ago they had they had a big crash and they they found uh, they, um, the central government admitted that actually the uh, privately uh, uh, run uh, banking uh, had a role to play but I think I think the big problem right now is really concerning the regional banks that are overstretched like uh, recently we had all these uh, regional banks that listed that, that their share prices just sank uh, because uh, they actually exceeded the lending uh, ratio of 75% and they use uh, uh, those, uh, some so-called asset management to hide their, their actual uh, lending to the real estate sector and uh, so 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 when, uh, come reporting time they had to borrow from the internet the interbank market to cover their positions. That's why the liquidity crisis occur. And so I think uh, that is one area that they really have to work something, uh, work on. But then you run up uh, against the interests of the local government, uh, which are really uh, uh, want uh, the uh, property sector to prosper because their their income depends on property sales, the land sales, and 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 they and they force local banks to fund these uh, uh, the property sector. Yeah, it's a mess. Uh, the yeah. reform that they're talking about doing uh, will be painstaking, and yeah. it probably means slower growth. Uh, so I think at the moment, uh, would you agree that some of the bears? Uh, looking at uh, particularly at the stock market, some of the bears are probably right because yeah. uh, you know you're looking at a slowdown in growth. You're looking at reform that will necessitate that yeah. in order to rein in excesses where there is a lot of growth and a lot mm -hmm. of craziness, and uh, you know to to pare down the uh, the presence of the state owned enterprises that mm. will hurt too. Yeah, definitely because uh, until now uh, uh, China's uh, uh, economic growth model has been based on asset. Uh, uh, investment, meaning actually real estate and infrastructure construction. And what, what you have found is that a, the real estate sector that is really, uh, um, uh, has too much bubble and is really, uh, unsustainable. You, you, you look at all over China, there are, uh, ghost cities everywhere and, and that's really the extent of the bubble. Okay. But there's been a lot of uh, growth in certain industries. Um, mm -hmm. obviously we've talked before about, uh, Macau Gaming has been strong. Uh, yeah. The internet sector, e-commerce mm -hmm. in China is good. And cars haven't been too bad. I headlined this story about BYD saying that it plans to introduce four models into the United States by the end of 2015. Mm -hmm. How does the auto sector look in China to you? Well, uh, uh, the <clears throat> the heydays of 2010 is over where the uh, you have growth of uh, 15, 20 percent a year. I think well, uh, when you look at the uh, 
uh, auto sector in China. Now, you, you are more reasonable, looking at more reasonable growth uh, factors of something like five to five percent, five to eight percent. But then, if you if you go to any major China Chinese city, it's the traffic jam that really scares you because uh, the cars uh, got stuck. In in the gridlock for for uh, more than twelve hours a day, so uh, uh, many first line cities already introduce a, a quota system. So I think sooner or later the uh, the the car industry will be saturated, and and you and you and you are looking at growth maybe at three percent or or even less. So uh, uh, it's it's still growing, but I think the growth rate is slowing down. Okay, thirty forty seconds or so. Um, what do you really like at the moment uh, you, you, you tend to have a little bit of a bear suit on but um, yeah. what what do you what do you like uh, you know some sectors that you would you'd look at well so, uh, uh, some sectors they are still attracting a lot of speculative money is really the uh, environmental sector companies like uh, everbright international and and others but uh, I need uh, I need to raise a, a, a caution is that they, uh, uh, in this few weeks they have been Shares that uh, recent of like fifty percent in one day, so it's really the, the uh, there's too much speculation already in the market. Okay, Francis, thank you very much You're for joining welcome. us on Money for Nothing. Uh, that's Francis Lun, Chief Executive Officer of Geo Securities. Yeah, that tells you the name of the program there on Radio 3, and I'm Brian Curtis. Uh, Well, we wanted to take a look at this EY report on foreign banks in China. It's a new era, and some markets uh, opening up uh, for foreign banks in China, but there are both challenges and opportunities. And we're joined by Kevin Leung from EY, who put out this report. Uh, Kevin, good morning. Good morning. What would you say are the key findings? And keeping in mind, we've got a five-minute interview. What are the key findings of this report? Okay, um... The reports shows that the foreign banks um, are quite optimistic about the future. While they predict solid growth, they do not anticipate significant improvements in profitability in the near term, largely due to the impact of margin compressions. Um, so when you say that impact of margin compressions, you just mean lower interest rates, so it's not that easy to, to earn much on the uh, differential. Yes, exactly. Due to the um, the competition and the lower of uh, lending rate and also the potential increase in the funding costs. Are they facing the same problem that a lot of banks are facing, which is higher regulatory costs and higher labor costs, and that that's squeezing their profits a bit? Um, in terms of the regulatory, uh, regulatory costs, yes. Uh, we have actually have a um, survey questions about the challenges they're facing. They put the regulatory uh, issues as the top on the list. And in terms of the um, labor costs, we, the survey results show that the um, average uh, growth in salary in tier one phase is around like 8%, which is a little bit slower, uh, uh, lower than last year. So it's sort of getting uh, under control this year. Are these foreign banks excited about getting into China or more excited about getting into, let's say, the Shanghai Free Trade Zone or other places where perhaps uh, taxes will be lower, like Qianhai? Um, 
based on our survey, is we 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 have interviewed thirty ex foreign bands and CEOs and senior executives. Um, they told us that they are actually quite um optimistic in the uh, in working in the Shanghai free trade zone. Um, the uh, in uh, in in respect of Shanghai, many uh many bands also has as. Put their establishment in Shanghai as well. What's the reason that they're excited about, let's say, for instance, the Shanghai Free Trade Zone? Um, well, they we we have asked them about how they think about the opportunities in there. They they told us that they think that the foreign banks will be able to introduce new services and grow more rapidly in China through the involvement in the free trade zone. Um, you know, they expected a number of steps uh, of uh, you know. Um, Towards financial service liberalizations will be, you know, pilots in the zone, including renminbi convertibility, capital account opening, and deposits interest rate deregulation. So, so we talked a little bit about some of the challenges, and you just there at the end mentioned some of the opportunities. So, what are some of the opportunities for foreign banks in China outside of the free trade zones? Um, I suppose well, just the volume of new business that is that is yeah. likely to come with a fast-growing country. Yeah, uh, I think they, they also see those other other than the free trade zone. They think that the um, the potential um, RMB internationalization will be a uh, will be a part to them. Uh, well, they 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 think that uh, uh, with the further opening up and you know internationalization of RMB markets, uh, they can be benefits through those expanded trading trade finance developments as more trades are ha- occurring with with the uh, internationalizations and also a raise in both inward and outward investment flows and a dramatic growth in uh, foreign exchange opportunities how much is traditional banking versus say setting up trust companies securities companies and asset management firms um we we, we have discussed about about the, with the banks about their investment you know Appetites. It seems that they they are less um you know they are less um less optimistic in investment in banks. But they are we are so, so also seeing some banks start to invest in trust company and asset asset management companies. Uh, they told us that they 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 are trying to see what how how what and how they can leverage from the you know cross selling and also uh the the. In, in the wealth management markets. Can you name names? Can you actually say which of the foreign banks are getting it right the best in China? Well, well, it's, it's difficult to, 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 to tell, but uh, if you look at the foreign banks, they are, they are actually a quite a top six foreign banks like like um, um, HSBC, Standard Charter. Uh, they, they are doing quite good, and also some others like Bank of East Asia, etc. The one thing is that you've seen an awful lot of these big Western banks sell off. Uh, you know, HSBC just uh, announced selling off a stake in Bank of Shanghai. They got rid of a stake in Ping'an Insurance. Uh, other banks have also divested Goldman Sachs and, and Bank of America. They've all divested. Uh, if things look so good, why are they selling it off? Just to raise capital? Uh, yeah, the, 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 the reasons could be, first of all, um, you know, the, the global economy is still not that stable, so, so they're more cautious in using the capital, and the capital woods are tightening, and so the investment in, in these banks, which in the capital wood they call minority 
minority investment that will uh, attract a lot of credit capital you know, requirements. And, okay, Kevin. And so- Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us here live. It's not the easiest thing to do. Uh, thanks for joining us on Money for Nothing, uh, where we teach people or try to uh, inform people about how they can do a lot of hard work to make money. So it's not really money for nothing. That's Kevin Lung, and he is from EY. This is Radio 3. For European markets overnight, it was kind of, eh. Uh, The FTSE 100 flat, not even up a point. Uh, The DAX down 7, the CAC down 20. Let's say good morning to Andrew Sullivan, head of sales trading at Maybank Kimeng Securities. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, Ryan. Thanks for helping us out uh, on a day when we lost a guest. Uh, And we're going to be talking about Bitcoin coming up on Backchat in a few short minutes. And we lost a co-host, so I'll sit in on that. Uh, And Andrew, um, I don't know, what do you think about Bitcoin? Uh, Anything that you'd care to look at? Well, I think I mean, it just shows you the, the interest in virtual currencies around the world. I think China's concern on the, on the matter is really the fact that it could mean that more uh, currency or more money going overseas offshore without it having much control on it. And I think that's probably a concern for some governments around the world. So that's like a governor, I guess, on the, uh, on the engine, uh, probably will, will grow, but slowly. What about um, gold? I haven't asked you about gold in, in our chats of late. Uh, do you think that um, gold has a chance to rebound, or is it in a kind of bear market and it will slowly go down? I think short-term-wise, until people are really worried about inflation again, then, then, then gold probably uh, moves you know, probably more sideways than anything, maybe drifting lower. Um, it's, it's just not one of those things that's on people's radar screens at the moment. I think people are much more concerned about uh, other markets and probably uh, things like you know, the, the move from bonds into equities and, therefore, and, and where in equities, where globally in equities you place your money. I looked at a little bit of your research yesterday on OCBC moving on Wing Hong Bank. Uh, it looks like they're in exclusive negotiations. Yeah, we don't know if it'll go through. Apparently, they were not willing to pay two times book, and that's what uh, the family that runs Wing Hong wanted. Uh, would you be careful with Wing Hong Bank stock at the moment? Yes, I think so. I mean, you know, there's an offer there on the table, which which kind of shows you where somebody is prepared to really value that company. Uh, and, and once you know that, you can look at the share price and see whether you think that's reasonable or not. For ourselves, certainly our uh, our analyst here uh, prefers at, at this stage to probably switch out and, and look more maybe at Darcing Financial or Darcing Bank. Yeah, I was amazed to see that Darcing Bank is only priced at not point seven book, whereas uh, Wing Hong everybody thought they were going to get two times book. Um, and uh, so, you know, perhaps somewhere, you know, there's a little arbitrage there uh, that one can do. Um, what do you like in this market at the moment? Well, I think, I think at the moment the market is, is you know, readjusting and obviously we're at the beginning of the year and people are settling down a bit. So I think a lot of it is thematics. We've got, you know, people being very bearish or negative on the Chinese financial system at the moment while we work out and see what's going to happen there. Um, the other thing I think that's probably quite interesting, though, is, is things like water plays, because that's going to be another thematic, I think, for uh, 2014. And also, you know, the, the oil field services people and the people that provide services to, you know, uh, exploring for shale gas, so people like uh, Anton um, Oil Field Services. Uh, those sort of companies, you know, alternative energy as well, I think that's probably going to remain high on people's agenda. Okay, and just in 30 seconds, Power Assets looking to sell off Hong Kong Electric. Um, would you be a buyer? 
Well, I think the attraction of this one is probably going to be the yield that it offers, certainly in the short term. Uh, but I think probably the thing you need to look at is that behind this, Chung Kong is still selling Asian assets and looking to buy into, emerge, uh, into developed markets in Europe. So maybe people should be uh, looking at the same direction that Li Ka-shing is. Yeah, buy Europe and sell Hong Kong. Oh, that hurts. All right, thank you, Andrew. Pleasure. Andrew Sullivan, head of sales trading Maybank Kimeng Securities. Briefly, markets are moving slightly, uh, well, actually mixed. You've got Australia and Seoul slightly higher, and you've got the Nikkei slightly lower. All this volatility that everybody's been saying we will have hasn't really shown up that much, although we did lose 500-plus points the first day of trading here in Hong Kong. Okay, let's uh, take a look at the weather today before we go. And again, back chat coming up next right after the news. Mainly cloudy, cool in the morning, maximum temperature today, 20 degrees here in Hong Kong. And then after that, we're looking for milder conditions. Uh, then, when you get to the weekend, cooler with some rain. with Samantha Butler. Islamist militants who've taken over the Iraqi city of Fallujah, west of Baghdad, have urged Sunni tribes in the area to back them in their fight against Iraq's Shia-led government. At the same time, the Prime Minister, Nuri al-Maliki, called on people in Fallujah to drive out the insurgents, who are known as ISIS and linked to al-Qaeda. The BBC's Jim Muir reports. Both in Fallujah and a little further west in Ramadi, the provincial capital of Al-Anbar, tribal fighters are indeed reported to have taken to the streets. But Mr. Maliki's problem is that they've done so not to drive the al-Qaeda-related elements from ISIS out, but to prevent the Iraqi army from coming back in. As happened during the insurgency, Islamist militants have been able to benefit from deep-seated grievances among the Sunnis against Mr. Maliki and his Shia-dominated government. His drive to restore control is being seen by them as an attempt 